Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. I'm Connie and as a sharing guest, Dr. Hofstadter came to our program today as promised. Let's welcome Dr. Hofstadter with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Hofstadter? Good evening everyone, good evening Connie. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation, I'm very excited to be here. So, let's first recall the knowledge about exosomal lipids in the previous programs. Some researchers have confirmed that exosomes have a high protein to lipid ratio. However, the lipid phase and lipid mediator participate in the biological activity of these vesicles. In the first few weeks, Dr. Hofstadter introduced the lipid composition, membrane organization, and metabolic pathways operating in exosomes. And the role of exosomal bioactive lipids in target cells has also been explained. Today, we will enter another new knowledge space, about tetraspanins in exosomes. So, let's start with the fundamentals. Dr. Hofstadter, what are tetraspanins? Thanks Connie. And tetraspanins, in the simplest terms, are highly conserved small transmembrane proteins. The family name refers to their four membrane-spanning segments, which flank a highly conserved topology of two extracellular loops. These proteins are known as master organizers of the plasma membrane and are involved in an astonishingly large variety of cellular processes. You just mentioned that tetraspanins are a highly conserved family of proteins involved in a variety of biological processes. What are the specific aspects included in this? Well, we can find clues from its distribution. Tetraspanins are small membrane proteins expressed in many species. From sponges to mammals, each organism has a large number of tetraspanin members. Generally, the biological processes involved in tetraspanins can include fertilization, parasite and viral infections, synaptic connections at neuromuscular junctions, platelet aggregation, maintenance of skin integrity, immune response induction, metastasis suppression, and tumor progression, etc. But keep in mind that these many functions are also attributed to the way they activate. That's fascinating. And could you please describe the shape of tetraspanins based on their structure? Sure. The four transmembrane segments and their small and large extracellular loops are the basic structure of the tetraspanins. In addition, tetraspanin also contains a very short intracellular loop domain. So far, I think the human tetraspanin CD81 is the only complete tetraspanin structure model. This protein adopts a compact mushroom shape, and the mushroom head and mushroom stalk are respectively composed of an extracellular ring and four transmembrane segment bundle. Two transmembrane segment helices extend from the bundle, reaching out straight into the mushroom head. Consequently, with the stalk embedded into the lipid bilayer, the head sits upright on the membrane. This original model based on a crystal structure of the large extracellular loop alone, 
was recently challenged by a crystal structure of the complete CD81 protein revealing two differences. First, the large extracellular loop folds down to the membrane, because the above-mentioned extending helices are kinked. And second, a cholesterol molecule is enclosed by the four transmembrane helices. This cholesterol prevents the formation of a tight four-helix bundle. Okay. It sounds like large extracellular loops are important for the structure formation of tetraspanins. So what task is this area responsible for? You're right. The large extracellular loop mediates the specificity of interaction between specific tetraspanins and their so-called main interaction partner. The loop contains a conserved region in which a variable region is embedded. The conserved region contains three alpha helices. The variable region is located between the second and third helix and, I have to say, it is important for the interaction with non-tetraspanin protein chaperones. The variable region also contains disulfide bonds formed between 4, 6, or 8 cysteine residues. In addition, tetraspanins undergo post-translational modifications, such as palmitoylation of cysteine residues in intracellular domains or glycosylation of extracellular loops. Protein palmitoylation generally regulates subcellular trafficking and protein degradation. What's more, this modification protects proteins from lysosomal degradation and associates them with cholesterol and gangliosides. So in which organisms can the expression of tetraspanins be found? Well, tetraspanins are expressed in all multicellular organisms. As far as I know, they have been studied in amoebae, flatworms, fungi, plants, fish, insects, and mammals. For instance, 17 members are encoded in the genome of Arabidopsis thaliana, 20 in Cenerobditis elegans, 33 in Homo sapiens, and 37 in Drosophila melanogaster. Now, that raises an interesting question. Why are the tetraspanins called the main organizers of the cell membrane? I think it's because they form so-called tetraspanin-enriched microdomains. This microdomain usually contains several different tetraspanins, as well as integrins, immunoglobulin superfamily proteins, proteases, and other cell-specific receptors. Apart from organizing cell membranes, tetraspanins are also required for the exit from the endoplasmic reticulum by co-transport of their interaction partners. I see. Then how do tetraspanin-enriched microdomains form? Well, it's complicated. Tetraspanin-enriched microdomains compartmentalize a cellular process by gathering together a set of components. The formation of tetraspanin-enriched microdomains follows a hierarchy of interactions. The first level involves primary interactions between a tetraspanin and its specific binding partner. These primary complexes are very stable, and even resistant to harsh detergent treatment. Secondary interactions are weaker and form, for example, between two different tetraspanins. These interactions likely cross-link the primary complexes to larger clusters. Finally, weak interactions mediated via palmitate chains, attached to tetraspanins further stabilize the network. At the microscopic level, Different tetraspanins from separate nanoclusters of around 100 nanometers. These nanoclusters apparently gather together into larger entities, 
that could be identical to the tetraspan in enriched microdomains, defined by biochemical approaches. And tetraspanin enriched microdomains could further connect together to form a large tetraspanin network. Now I get it. So, what kind of molecules will combine with tetraspanins? I would say integrins are the most prominent non tetraspanin partners. Tetraspanins form complexes through interactions between themselves and a variety of transmembrane and cytoplasmic proteins. This is essential for the functional activity of the tetraspanins. Tetraspanins are also associated with growth factor receptors, G-protein-coupled receptors. Since tetraspanin exists on a variety of membranes, what special function does it have on exosomal membranes? It's a great question. First of all, we all know that exosomes are small vesicles, derived from restricted membranes released by multivesicular bodies. They carry and transfer selected membrane and cytoplasmic proteins, messenger RNA, and microRNA to target cells. Because of this information transmission, exosomes are considered to be the most promising therapeutic tool for the treatment of many diseases. Over the years, our understanding of the composition of exosomes is rapidly increasing. But I have to say, little is known about the selective recruitment of exosomes and the mode of target cell selection. Researchers speculate that the tetraspanin functions in at least part of this task. Okay, maybe one question more. Why do tetraspanin and tetraspanin-associated molecules become enriched in exosomes? You know, early endosomes can be integrated into multivesicular bodies, the main source of exosomes. And the tetraspanin-enriched microdomains are easy to internalize. So, that's why the content of tetraspanin and tetraspanin-associated molecules in the exosomal membrane is not low. All right. Thank you, Dr. Hofstadter. I think that's all we have today. Thanks to Dr. Hofstadter for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. We'll be keeping track right here on Exosomes with more interesting knowledge in the next program. See you next time. Thank you, I hope we will see you next time.